Well, let me start. So I want to talk to you about the kingdom and the church. And, and uh, this is, sometimes we talk to you about Hope Church being like a greenhouse. And another couple of phrases we've begun to use is like a, a laboratory or a, it, it's a place of, of kind of research and development. It's a place of, or a studio where an artist would, would create. And, and, and not everything an artist begins is finished. I, I've had one in, in our house for a while. Um, not everything that that someone who does research and development begins is the answer, and uh, the so so we're kind of coming from this. This message is coming. This is a research and development message. I.e., it may not make total sense, but it's in there somewhere. All right. It may be one of those ones that we just kind of put to one side and say, nice effort, Andy, but no gold star this week. All right. But I'm feeling after something, and I guess it's out of the last few weeks. We've had a crazy and wonderful few weeks, Teresa and I. So we went down to the European Leaders Advance in London, was that two weeks ago nearly, so we were kind of immersed with 2,000 leaders from around Europe, listening to Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton, and Paul Manwaring kind of stretch our minds and hearts all over again. Um, uh, in the, at the end, towards the end of that, we had our fifth grandchild born in South Africa, and we're like Skyping, and it's so, so exciting, isn't it? It's so wonderful. And then uh, yesterday, Friday night, we went over to Edinburgh to hear Chris Bellton again, and then we managed with just about four or five other leaders. We got breakfast with him yesterday morning, so that was a real treat. And uh, and and, uh, and all of this kind of—it's good for leaders to get input. Honestly, I need stretched, I need refreshed, I need new ideas, I need challenged in my thinking, and uh, I feel like we're in this this turning point as a community uh, where. We are, a lot of changes have already happened where we've become increasingly kingdom orientated and kingdom focused. Yeah. But, but it's a bit like the culture we've been working on is about, it's about the veil is about to be lifted and it's going to shine out more and more into the world around us. And uh, I, I want to try and go on a bit of a journey on that this morning. I don't think the kingdom and the church were ever meant to be different. So the kingdom of heaven, which is the realm of, of God's government, it's, it's the place where his will is done and, and w- without any hesitation, without any adjustment, without any color added, it, 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 it's the pure expression of the will and the heart of the Father is heaven. Uh, and it's his place of influence, his place of government. And the idea he had from the beginning, and we are now involved with, is seeing more of that on the earth. So he actually asked us to seek first the kingdom of heaven, asked us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So earth is meant to get more and more looking like heaven. Not just when Jesus returns, but now. And he gave us that commission as people to be about the, the work of making earth look more like heaven. What a great task. And, and we've, been, we've been in that, we spent two solid days doing strategic planning as a senior leadership team 
trying to figure out what it is God's doing with us now and, and in, in the future. And one of the things that you start to become aware of is the, if you like, the call on this church is so much bigger than we are. It's just like huge. We started to write all this stuff down and we're like, how do we put this into words? How do we describe this? How do we, how do we make this digestible to people? And, and, and one of the things that God's doing with us is, is helping us understand and live and imbibe this idea of the kingdom of heaven living out on the earth and escape from perhaps some of the older perspectives of what church is and what we're here to do as church. Is, is this? I'm going to ask you sometimes because... I'm looking for nods or something. Because um, if, if I think historically the church has got reduced to some kind of institution and even kind of new church expressions can still uh, fall into a form of government and a form of operation that is not producing or is not lined up with the kingdom of heaven. So I think historically you could say that the, that the church actually should fully represent the kingdom, but probably hasn't. Uh, and what we're about is, is that kind of restoring that the church looks like heaven. Because if the earth is going to look like heaven, the church has to be the first place that happens. So that's a realignment of what church is so that it resonates, reflects, and downloads what heaven is. Is, is this making sense? And so what it was like, I think, some, some of them are thinking about what church is, is not always lined up with what heaven is. Or it's limited. It's, it's, a, it's, it's true, but it's not the whole truth. And if you let our truth be the thing that, that isn't the whole truth define you, then you shrink your world. All right, so, so some of the things I'm going to say sounds like I'm having a go at some stuff, and I'm not, but they're truths. But if those truths dominate us, they make our world too small. They make our expectations too small. And, and, and if you're dominated by something that isn't meant to be the, the, the defining reality, but it becomes a defining reality, your reality is smaller than the reality you're meant to live in. Just kind of... Is it actually, a lot of it is about what we think. So we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. And there's been, the enemy, the devil, wants to shrink our minds. He wants to lower our expectations because he knows that we're moving actually from a place of victory, not for a place of victory. So he wants to try and, he wants to educate us in all kinds of things that are smaller than God's plan. Okay, so I, I've been looking at, at some great church websites, and I'm like, yes, this is people led, led by great pastors and teachers. And I'm, I'm like, here's, here's, here's sort of some of the flavor of how we can think about church. It's like uh, there's a little flag would go across the website like, we want to build you in. We want to welcome you in next Sunday. We welcome you to us next Sunday. And I'm like, Hmm. The trouble with that is then what we're thinking about is church is coming in, not going out. Yeah. And, and we can end up, the, the measure of our success is how many are sitting in the room. Yeah. 
Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. It's good to welcome people in, all right? It's good to build people in, but it has to be about more than just making friends and, and loving God. I'm not saying that making friends and loving God are bad or wrong. We should do those things. See, see, I'm walking, but that's not, that's too small a definition. It's too too tiny. Um, (laughs) I could get in real trouble with this, but I'm going to keep going. You know, we we could come to church because we're looking for a place where our kids get looked after well. Or, or where, where's there a good pastoral structure or a good life group structure? Uh, we can come to church because it, it, it's great Bible teaching. And when I go away, I've got a, I've got a, a notebook or a, an iPad full of, full of notes. And, and, and it's all been completely explained for me. And I know how to root this reality and this truth in Scripture. And I feel knowledgeable, more, more knowledgeable than I did when I showed up. Now, I'm not saying that's bad, all right? That's a good thing, but it's not the whole thing. What about going away more confused when you showed up? <laughs> now, for many of us, if our value is we've come to be taught and that the guy at the front or the woman at the front has done all the research and answered all the questions so that what they're doing is telling us what to think, not challenging us to think, then we go away and we kind of feel good about it, but we're just, maybe, maybe that isn't the total job here. What would be good to go away, because there's evidence for this in the Bible, is the Bereans went and they, you know, obviously Paul was teaching them stuff and they're like, Wow, this stuff is wild. This stuff is outrageous. And they went away and searched the scriptures to see if there was so. So I feel like for me, I don't feel my job is to give you the whole thing boiled down, rooted in. That's not my job. My job is to inspire you to change the world. And say some stuff that may make you want to go and say, is that even in the Bible? (laughs) And if it isn't, I want you to come and tell me. But actually... I have done my homework. So I'm not just spouting for the sake of spouting, but, but if God's taken us to a place that, that feels different to, I'm here to get really well taught, I'm here to get my kids looked after, me cared for, and then, you know, and then, okay, the other thing we do then is we mature in Christ and we try and win some people to Jesus and we add them in to this congregation that gets well taught and, and, and loves one another well and looks after our kids well and, and then we do that again. That's the way lots of us have lived church. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not, I don't think it's kingdom. It's to church. It's to get bums on seats. It's to let's give you the download so it's accurate. It's to actually me-centered. You know, I need my kids looked after. I need good teaching. I need to make good friends. I need a place where I can worship God. And it actually isn't all about me. (coughs) I just thought that would go down really well. Uh, (laughs) 
Actually, it gets a bit boring if all you meet is to worship God, make friends. It's not, it's not big enough for me. And I'm not sure that we're... And the reason it gets boring or it loses momentum and things kind of settle down is because it's not totally locked into the fullness of God's purpose, which is for heaven to invade the earth until earth looks like heaven. And what we've done is some people's eschatology, that's their view of the end times, we've parked so much of the good things in a time and in a season for which we have no responsibility it all happens after Jesus comes back, that all we're doing is kind of holding the fort till the Lord comes and living in a hostile environment. So church becomes a place we gather. We like to be here because it feels safe and we're the bunch of people we agree with. And it's a bit scary out there. And every week we want to come back. Oh, all these people, at least they agree with me about things out there that they don't agree. So we feel safe. But that's kind of a bit, it ends up being... A bunker mentality ends up being a little bit powerless. Well, I come to church, oh, I like these people. These people like me. They agree with me. They think the way that I think. And I've spent all week in that crazy world out there. Where was I going with that? It was a really good thing to say. So we're on, we're, we're, we're in, you end up kind of in the defensive. Well, I'm being, coming more mature in Christ, and I, I, I'll go and do some, I'll do some evangelism, you know, because I'm supposed to do that. So evangelism isn't, is a project or an event, which, which is fine as well, okay? It's fine to do. <laughs> but none of that fits what Jesus said to do, which is disciple whole nations. He didn't make, say go make disciples in nations, he said go make disciples of nations. If you want to look in the Greek, the Greek says ethnos, which is people group, so that doesn't really shrink it much. fact that some national borders have been drawn through where people groups live is neither here nor there. The point is, he's saying, go, go and transform the culture. So he says, teaching them everything that I've commanded you. So he's saying, it's not just about individual salvation. He's saying, he's saying to his disciples, and therefore to us, go and take people groups and disciple them in, transform them by instructing them everything that I've shown you to do so that they are discipled effectively to look like me. Our target isn't a person, our target is a nation. Phew. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's coming out, it's working, it's coming out, but I'm just giving you a comment on how it's working here. So the goal isn't that we become a gathering where we weather the storms of life together and we, we are kind of bunkered down while everybody else is you know, going to hell and we're trying to rescue a few as they go, but ultimately Jesus will come back and we'll, 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 we'll be, it'll all be glorious in the end. Now our goal is to make it glorious now for as many people and as many nations as possible. 
This is the job Jesus gave us to do. Is we, he said when he prayed in John 17 that he's sharing his glory with us. And he's now saying, go, go make the planet glorious. Wow. Because sometimes we come to church and it's like, oh, I really need to be a, have a good pastor. Because if we define church how I defined it before, then it's led by someone who is a pastor. And we need pastors, okay? We need people with the gift of shepherding. But if they become the defining role, then it, it becomes something that's still about teaching and caring for me. I want someone who's really brilliant at doing that. <laughs> not me. Um, but we have people who are. So I'm, again, I'm not saying we don't need that and we shouldn't have that, but that's not the defining thing. And I think in many church cultures, it's become the defining thing. The pastoral teacher mindset and heartbeat is the defining heartbeat. Is the defining DNA. And again, it's, we need it and we want it and we want to release it. But it isn't meant, it, it's this bit, it's not this bit. Oh, you're feeling even more uncomfortable now. I want to find a good pastor. Well, great. See, one of, one of the phrases that occurs most in the New Testament is this thing, one anothering. The goal isn't that some expert does you good. The goal is that people who are gifted equip you to do good things for each other. It's not meant to be centralized. It's meant to be diffused. So that you're brilliant at helping, counseling, delivering your friend. I feel like I'm digging a hole and I'm not supposed to stop. Churches, we've understood it in this sort of pastoral teaching, gathering, building in, fellowshipping, looking after our children, being kind to one another, slightly sheltered from the storms of life way is too small. Our goal isn't to make life better for one another, it's to make life better for a planet for the people group in which we're in, for the nation which we're in, to benefit and be changed. We are, we are not here to survive. We're here to take over. And I don't mean that in sort of a bossy, ruling, commanding way. I just mean by releasing what we have, the world will change. Because that's what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven. He says it's like leaven or like a little seed. And when the little leaven gets in, 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 in the dough, it, it, it affects all of it. And you can't necessarily see where it came from, but the whole thing is affected. Well, the seed is very small, but it grows to be th- this, 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 uh, this giant bush that people shelter in. We're meant, we're meant to be leaven in the dough. We're meant to be that that's out there making everything else rise and be great. We're the, we are the safe place that the people that are in the storms of life out there, they come and perch in our branches because we're secure. 
Because we understand that God is establishing a kingdom that cannot be shaken. <laughs> We've spoken here a lot about, about identity. And, and I begin to realize that you can't fully express or come into who you are if you're in side the, a, 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 a wrong form of government. Let, let's, let's read a Bible verse. <laughs> Colossians 1. I have referred to many, but let's read one together. Colossians, Colossians 1, 11 to 14. It's Paul praying for the Colossian church. <clears throat> says that they'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I mean, he's praying for, obviously for strengthening, but he's praying for them to get filled out in their identity, for them to realize what their glorious inheritance is, yeah? yeah. Uh, next verse. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So he didn't, just, he didn't just get born again. He didn't just get your identity changed. The government you were living under changed as well. So we got rescued. When you're not living for Jesus, you may not know it, but you're living for the dark side. Only the dark side likes to dress up and say it's the light side or just the not so dark, the kind of in the middle side. The truth is that we were under a dominion. We were under a government of darkness. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we come into a new government. And the, we are now inside this new government. And in this new government is where you find out who you are. If you submit to the old government, it's going to cramp your style. You're not going to fill out into who you are. Because the government you live in is going to be something that it limits or hinders how you, how you discover and express your identity. Let, let me, so we, we live in a land that has a government. And the government creates an atmosphere. It creates a series of permissions and, and opportunities and closes down others. Does it not? And says, this is permissible, this is not permissible. This is now okay, this is not okay. And, and so it creates an environment in which we, we, we have a certain amount of freedom, hallelujah, in this country, to be who we are. But if you live in a different kind of government, there's much more of dictatorship, then you don't have that kind of freedom to be who you are. So it's interesting that people are not queuing up to illegally enter North Korea. And other places on the planet we could mem mention, people are exiting them and they're attracted to cultures like ours. Why? Because it's got freedom in it. And in those places, they don't have freedom. So they can't be themselves. So the government affects how you can express you and how well you can be, live, and discover your identity. So at the same time as making you born again, God changed the government you were under. 
So we're now in this government of love. We're now in this government of freedom. We're now in this in the government of heaven. And our job is to spread it everywhere we go. And it's really important that we have a kingdom government, which is one of the things we're experimenting with as we go forward as leadership, in order to create an environment in which you all get to be powerful and free as believers. Because the same principle applies in church. So if you have a church government that is primary pastoral, it is going to limit what you live out in your identity. Not out from a bad place, but just because. Let, let, let me try that again. Where are all the giant killers in the Bible? Well, where there are giants, yes, that's true. <laughs> there had to be giants to be giant killers. That's a really good point. I was actually going to come on to that. That's a really... You're ahead of me, David, on that one. That's just... <laughs> it is important to have a giant to kill one. However, the point I was trying to make was... <laughs> Who's the giant killer we all know about? Who did he kill? All the other giant killers lived in David's time. They were either David's men or in, in his government. That's where all the recorded giant killing happens in the Bible. You can look it up later. It's in 1 Chronicles 20. That if you, so if you want to be a giant killer, hang around another one. So David's leadership created an environment. So he wasn't going around, I'm not sure he was going around doing giant killing training. He just, <laughs> he just killed one. And it created an, an expectation that short people could kill giants. <laughs> Go all the short people. He cracked something open. Actually, he was a teenage short person who killed a giant with a sling and a, and a few stones, and he was like, well, you're, you're coming down. And suddenly, other people around him started to believe that this is possible. So he created a leadership environment, a leadership momentum, that raised up other giant killers. That's a different way of thinking about leadership than some of us have thought about it. We, we, we need to raise up and release the giant killers, because then all of us start to become giant killers. Because we all face giants in our own way. So that's what I'm saying is that if you have a low-risk environment, which what tends to be created in church life, because if we have a gathering together because we're slightly scared about their mentality, we create a low-risk environment. Actually, what we need is a high-risk environment where we need to learn to kill giants so that when we go out there, we're good at killing them. Yeah. Is this making any sense at all? <laughs> which means that we do risky, scary things here. 
It's not the same every week. We, we have to, uh, and we're at a season and a stage that we're going to have to do more risky, big, risky things to go the next level that he wants to take us up. Risk equals uncertainty of outcome. Well, how, how do you know you're going to be able to pay all the bills? Well, 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 we don't. That happens some weeks in this house. It's because we're taking risks. It's because we're reaching out. It's because we're doing new things. And then God shows up and, oh, there's another few grand we weren't expecting. Thank you, Jesus. Safety, predictability is not what the kingdom of heaven is about. It's about change, constant change. It's about risk. And, and, and I love that we challenge one another to, to risk to pray for someone or you know, heal the sick and that kind of stuff. And, and that, that is going to increase. But this is about other kinds of risks where we position ourselves in front of giants. And, and I was, you know, this, this search for a building that we've been on there for probably two years, it's, it's just in the back of my mind all the time. So I was actually in, in worship at this European Leaders Advance. And I can't say I was praying about it, I was just in worship and this, sort of, this phrase came in my mind and, and God said, this is about your building. And I went, okay. And it is that, it was this phrase out of the Bible that the sin of the Amorites is not yet fulfilled. Or the time of the Amorites, sin has not come to completion. Which is about the return of the people of God, the Hebrews, back into the land that Abraham promised. They had to wait 400 and something years because the sin of the Amorites, whose land it was, and who they were going to go to invade and kick them out, was not yet fulfilled. So I'm like, sin of, what's the sin of the Amorites got to do with that building? And then Bill Johnson was speaking that morning, and he stood up, and for some bizarre reason, he begins with that verse. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you've got my attention. <laughs> you have my attention now. The sin of the Amorites is not fulfilled. That's why we don't have our building just yet. But I get the feeling that the time is close. What is it saying? It's saying, well, it's saying actually he's going to position us in a place that's been really bad, and we're going to make it really good. in an environment or a building or a place that maybe had a bad reputation or in an area that, that's, that, 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 that it's time for light to shine. Yeah. Is, this, is this making sense? So, so he wants to park us in front of a giant or in, the, in a giant's lair. Or a, and, and, and he's just been waiting for the giant to get big enough so that, that it, we really know that we can take it down. And so if we come up with an idea for a building in such and such a place, and you say, well, it's really dark there. It's, you know, it's dangerous. I'm like, yeah, I, I told you here first, all right? <laughs> those sort of places, our mind, we'll know our mindset is shifting when those sort of places make us like salivate. It's like, yeah! It's dark. Yeah! Because we're the light. It's a big target, isn't it, in the world? So what's Hope Church here to do? We're here to change the whole world <laughs> by next Tuesday. 
Uh, but when you start to think like that, it's going to change you. I mean, it's, how, do, how do we change the planet? How, how do we change our nation? How, what, what do we need in place to make that possible? Which is one of the reasons why I burn so much with this school. I know you, you know, we're talking about the school again. Well, actually, one of the ways we're going to change our nation is actually through re-educating first believers and then unbelievers into the ways of the kingdom of heaven and introduce them to a good, good father and let them know that they're God's kids. And all of that requires a mindset shift that we've all been on and we're finding ways of sharing it. And we need to raise up an army of people who know how to do that in church, business, education, government, etc., etc., that actually we've understood enough of the Father and His kingdom that we can go out there and invade the world and change it. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a training place yeah. for kingdom of heaven terrorists. Yeah. That's why we do it. It's important. If we're going to change a nation, we need a strategy. A strategy is to have a school. Yeah. Another strategy is to have a church that is a laboratory and a workshop where we're all figuring out how to do love and honor really well, where we cling to one another when we fall out, where we know how to pray for the sick and raise the dead, and that becomes our normal. That's another great strategy. Where this becomes the home of hope and the home of love and the home of covenant. And people go, oh, I'm so hopeless. We need to go. That place is shining out hope. The world doesn't need help to fall out. Doesn't need help to know how to fight one another. And we're learning how to not fall out. How to cling to one another. How to share our hearts. We're learning how to pray for the sick and keep going. And then something starts to break and the impossible starts to happen. Because we serve a God for whom nothing is impossible. And we're starting to reflect Him. 